Hi listeners, today's episode is all about making sure you make the best use of your time. You see, in life there's never enough time to do everything, but there's always enough time to do the important things. Successful people, peak performers, concentrate on the top items. And remember, anything other than working on the top items on your list is a waste of your time. And time management is not just time management, time management is life management. You can do anything you want with your life if you'll manage your time properly. We all have the same 24 hours a day and the ability to concentrate, 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 to discipline yourself, to use willpower and perseverance to concentrate on one thing at a time is a quality of all success. Nothing great has ever been accomplished without the ability to concentrate single-mindedly on one thing at a time. Here is my favorite time management question, which I give to you for free. It's simply this. Before you start anything, ask yourself, what is, the, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? Make a list and say, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? When you get into your car, say, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? When you leave the house or leave the office, say, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? Ask yourself that question over and over and over again. Repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until it's driven into the subconscious mind as a command. And whenever you have a temptation to do something that is small and irrelevant, that command will go, blam, what is the most valuable use of your time right now? And you whoo, and it'll push you into doing what is the most valuable use of your time. And whenever you're working on the most valuable use of your time, you feel great. You get concentrated effort is a source of energy and enthusiasm. It makes you feel wonderful when you're working on something important, and it makes you feel nothing when you're working on something irrelevant. Develop a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency is a quality that is possessed by only 2% of the population. 2% of the population do things fast. 2% of the population have a bias for action. In, to, in Tom Peters' wonderful book, In Search of Excellence, he says that all the excellent companies have a bias for action. And all of the companies that do not classify or do not come into the excellence category do things when they get around to it. You call them up and you have a problem or a complaint. You hear from them three or four weeks later. But the excellent companies, you call up with a problem or a complaint, and bang, there's somebody back to you in two minutes. If you ever want an experience, call IBM, call Hewlett-Packard and say, I'm having a problem uh, getting some information. I'm having a problem with my PC. They won't let you off the phone until they've taken care of you. You call the other companies, they'll say, it's not my job. They'll say, the guy who takes care of that isn't here. When will he be back? I don't know. Can you take a message? I don't have a pencil. <laughs> you know, you've spoken to those people? And then they can't understand why they're struggling. You know that 20% of the companies make 80% of the profits in every industry? Interestingly enough. So develop a sense of urgency. Get the reputation as the person who does things fast. Develop a reputation for speed and dependability and your future will just open up in front of you. And if you'll develop that habit of working fast, working fast, that sense of urgency, act now, do it now, do it now, do it now. Somebody calls you up and has a question, get back to them now. Somebody has a problem, get back to them now. Somebody needs something, move on it quickly. If you have to forego coffee breaks or lunch or something else, move fast. If you develop that reputation for speed, it will be worth a fortune to you. It takes a little while, but it's a habit. Most people just sort of shuffle through life. You know, they get to it when they feel like it. But all the excellent people, all the high performers have a sense of urgency. We are living in a generation of the dumbing down of ideas because we have traded effectiveness for busyness. Statistics say we are busier than any other generation we have seen in the last three to four hundred years. And we think because we're busy, we're effective. 
But I want you to challenge your schedule for a minute and ask yourself, are you, are you really being effective or is your life cluttered with all kinds of stuff that demands you and drains you and taxes you and stops you from being your highest and best self? And are you substituting busyness and all the chaos that goes along with busyness from being effective? There's a lot of things you could take from me and I could make it. You could take my suit. I got another one. You could take my car, I could get another one. You could take my house, I could get another house. Uh, but when you take my time, you have taken something from me that is totally irreplaceable. We take all kinds of classes for money management. We, we know how to manage our money. We know how to repair our houses. We're working on our hair and our bodies and all of this kind of stuff. We do everything except the most important thing is to value our time. We are not using our time, our energy for our highest and best use. And something in the back of this brain back here is going ding, 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 ding. You're missing it. You're missing your life, your purpose, your passion, your excitement, your enthusiasm. Every moment is a gift. Every second is a gift. Every thought is a gift. Every idea is a gift. Every opportunity is a gift. Everybody you meet is a gift. You are gifted with opportunities. And I want to show you how to begin to maximize what you've got. Now, no matter what field you're in, no matter what field of endeavor, no matter what work, no matter what activity, there is one thing that all successful people have in common, is that they are good time managers. And the reason they are good time managers is because they recognize that time management is life management. Successful people, winners, use their time well, losers do not. I am going to give you 21 of the very finest time management ideas ever developed. If you use these ideas systematically, you can increase your personal productivity by two or three hours a day. You can increase your income. You can increase your ra rate of promotion. You can increase your life satisfaction. You can even increase the length of time you live. The question is, how badly do you want to learn how to manage your time well? How much effort are you willing to put into it? So let's get started. The first idea the most important of all, the core of time management, the axle around which the wheel of life turns, is goals. What are your goals? What is it that you want to be or to have or to do? What is it that you want to accomplish in the next one, two, three, four, five years? The top 3% in every field have goals. The balance of the population have either very vague goals or no goals at all. So the question you have to ask yourself is, who am I? Where am I going? What do I want to accomplish? And there are three major areas of goals that you have to think about. The first is your personal and your family goals. These are the reasons why you're alive. What do you want to accomplish for yourself and for your family? Write them down. Define them clearly. The second set of goals that you have to ask is your business, your career, your financial, your material goals. What is it that you want to accomplish in the external world? Where do you want to make your contribution? The third type of goals you have to ask about are your self-development goals. And in my estimation, your ability and your willingness and your tenaciousness in developing yourself is the key to accomplishing everything else. So here's three questions that you can ask. The first question is, what would you do? What would you set as a goal for yourself? What would you want to be or have if you just won a million dollars in the lottery? What would you do if you just won a million dollars? If you had all the time and money, you're completely free to decide to do anything you wanted. If you want a million dollars, what would you do differently? Think about that. Hold that in your mind. The second question is, 
What would you do if you just learned today that you only had six months to live? What if you only had six months to live? What would you stop doing? What would you do more of? Who would you spend time with? Now, the answer to that question is very interesting because what it tells you is what you really value. What is really important to you? And what we have found is that self-esteem, satisfaction, happiness in life comes from getting your goals and your activities congruent with your values, with your priorities, with what you consider to be really important. Now, here's a third question. The third question is, what one great thing would you dare to dream if you knew you could not fail? If you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that you could not fail, what one thing would you set as a goal for yourself? Because sometimes answering that question will tell you the one thing that you've been put on this earth to accomplish. One final point with regard to goals is that goals must be in writing. You must write them down, you must rewrite them, you must define them, you must redefine them. The top 1% of successful people in every area have very clear, specific, written goals. And most of them carry their goals around with them. So let's go from goals as the core of success to point number two, which is organized plans of action. In an interesting study or a variety of studies that have been done, they've come to the conclusion, action without planning is the cause of every failure. Action without planning is the cause of frustration, time wastage, anxiety, stress, and lack of success in life. So organized plans of action are critical. Now what is an organized plan of action? An organized plan of action is where you take your goal, you take your objective, and you write out every single step that you're going to have to follow in order to accomplish that objective. You write it out and you list all those plans of action, all of those different activities, and you organize them together into a plan that you can then implement on a day-to-day -day basis. You decide which has to be done first and which has to be done last, which is more important, which is less important. In fact, the ability to set goals and to create plans for their accomplishment is the master skill of success. If all you learned in life, all you learned in school, was the ability to be a continuous goal setter and a continuous planner, day and night, planning, organizing, planning, writing, thinking about what you're trying to accomplish, you'll accomplish more in a year or two years than most people accomplish in 10 years or an entire lifetime. It has nothing whatever to do, by the way, with your intelligence. It hasn't had anything to do with your education. You know, half of the best educated people in the country are working for people who didn't finish high school or didn't finish college. If you do not have clear goals for your life, you are condemned forever to work for those who do. You see, in life, it's very simple. Either you are working toward the accomplishment of your goals or you're working toward the accomplishment of other people's goals. Very important. Now, the third point in excellent time management is analysis. Make a list. How do you make a list? And you make your list for each day the evening before. And you always work from a list. Now, why do you make it the evening before? The primary reason is if you make a list the evening before, the subconscious goes to work on your list while you're asleep. And during the night, the subconscious will solve problems and bring insights to you. You'll wake up in the morning with insights, ideas, intuitions, answers that will make your day more productive. Now, the second reason that you use a list is because if you don't have a list, it's like driving down the street in a car with no steering wheel. You just drift and every bump, every interruption, everything that happens sets you off in a different direction. A list gives you a track to run on for the entire day. Another reason that you use a list is because with a list, you can analyze where you are. You can tell what is more important and what is less important. You can tell what is irrelevant, what can be delegated, what can be delayed, what can be put off. That when you use a list and you work down the list and you check things off, each time you check something off on a list, it gives you a feeling of accomplishment. It's been well said that happiness is the progressive realization 
of a worthy ideal. That happiness is the step-by-step -step accomplishment of the tasks necessary to accomplish a worthy ideal. And a successful life is based on a series of successful days. And a series of successful days is based on working on the list one step at a time. Okay, now the fourth principle for effective time management is to set priorities. It's interesting, there are many people who have goals vague or clear. There are many people who do make plans. But the biggest single problem in human life is setting priorities, determining what is relevant and what is irrelevant. And in setting priorities, an Italian economist named Vilfredo Pareto in 1895 came up with a principle which is called the Pareto Principle. We call it the 80-20 rule. It says that 80% of the value of what you do will be contained in 20% of the things that you do. What does this mean? It means if you make a list of 10 things that you have to do today, you will find that two of those things are worth all of the others put together. Now, the difference between highly effective people, as Vilfredo Pareto said, was that highly effective people work on the vital few versus the trivial many. The difference between the two is that ineffective people work on the trivial many. They work on things that are fun. They work on things that are easy. They work on little tasks, fun tasks, irrelevant tasks, but they keep putting off and delaying working on their major tasks. So the key to success is always be asking this question. What is the most valuable use of my time right now? So always before you begin, ask yourself, is this the most important thing I could be doing? Is this my top priority task? Does this give me the highest payoff? Is this the most valuable use of my time? The fifth key idea in time management, which I am a fanatic on, is concentration. Learning how to concentrate is absolutely essential to success. As a matter of fact, it is impossible for you to accomplish anything worthwhile in life without the ability to concentrate single-mindedly on one thing at a time and stay with it until it's complete. In fact, time and motion studies have shown that if you start a task and you put it down and you come back to it and pick it up and start it and put it down and come back to it and pick it up, that it will take you as much as 500% of the necessary time to do a task than if you picked it up and carried it through. Alec McKenzie, great time management expert. Alec McKenzie calls this single handling. Once you have made a list of what you have to do, organized your goals, determine the highest and most valuable priority, then pick the most important thing and begin working on it and stay with it until it's finished. Now people say, well, if I stay with this task until it's finished, I won't get anything else done. That doesn't matter. If it's the most valuable thing that you have to do, it's the most important thing that you could be working on. Now it's a wonderful thing. When you concentrate and work intensely on an important task, it gives you a feeling of energy and enthusiasm. When you complete an important task, your self-esteem goes up. You feel like a winner. You feel great about yourself. But if you work away on low-priority tasks, even if you complete them and do them well, you don't get any bang for the buck. You don't get any excitement or thrill from doing something that's not important. As a matter of fact, most stress, anxiety, frustration in the world of work today comes from working very hard on irrelevant tasks. Benjamin Trigo said, if it's not worth doing, it's not worth doing right. And I think it was Drucker who said, the very worst thing in the world is to do very well what need not be done at all. The sixth key to time management is deadlines. How do you set deadlines? First of all, when you set the goal, when you specify the task, set the deadline when it's going to be accomplished. Always set the deadline with lots of room to spare and always try to finish before the deadline. Tell other people that you're going to finish by this deadline. Promise others that you'll have your work done. It's a powerful way to act as what is called a forcing system. A forcing system is something that motivates you to stay at it. Because if you don't set a deadline and give yourself a forcing system, you fall into the trap of what is called Parkinson's Law. 
Now, Parkinson's law says that work expands to fill the time allotted for it. That if you have two hours of work to do and eight hours of time, you will stretch that work over eight hours. Parkinson's law also says that work contracts to fill the time allotted for it. If you have eight hours of work to do, and because of an emergency, you have to have it done in two hours, you will get it done in two hours. Highly effective people are always setting tight, stringent, disciplined deadlines on themselves so they get more work done in a short period of time rather than less work done in a long period of time. Does this make sense? The next principle, number seven, is what is called the time log, which is writing down and keeping track of where your time is going. All effective people know where their time goes. Now let me tell you an interesting principle with regard to time management. It is this, is the more important you are, the more successful you are, the more you tend to measure out your time in minutes. The less successful you are, the more you tend to measure out your time in hours, days, and weeks. The average person thinks of terms of morning or afternoon. The above average person thinks of hours. The successful person thinks of half hours. The very successful person thinks in terms of minutes. They allocate their time carefully. Now, the only time way that you can do that is what? Is you've got to keep track of what you're spending your time on. 60, 70, 80% of people are not aware of how they spend their time. They think they spend a lot of time in meetings. It turns out they spend a lot of time socializing. They think they spend a lot of time working on reports. It turns out they spend a lot of time on the telephone. They think they spend a lot of time doing important jobs. It turns out they spend a lot of time wasting time. So keep a time log or just keep a sheet. And whenever you have a chance to look at your watch, write down what you're doing at the time or have somebody else watch what you're doing and feed back to you how you're spending your time. And then you have to ask, is how I'm spending my time consistent with my major goals my top priorities, my high payoff tasks. And you'll find that it's not. And you'll also find that you feel frustrated and you feel stressed if you are not working your time on the things that you're supposed to do. So keep measuring your time, logging your time, analyzing your time. How am I spending my time? Am I spending my time on the things that are important to me? Am I spending my time on the things that give me a big payoff? And if you're not, keep adjusting and modifying your schedule. A very interesting point with regard to the time log is that self-discipline is critical. You've got to discipline yourself and you've got to measure and analyze your time every single day or you slip off it again. The next principle is the principle of procrastination. There's two kinds of procrastination. There's positive procrastination and negative procrastination. Positive procrastination is when you procrastinate on doing low priority tasks. It is when you procrastinate on doing things that do not contribute very much to your major goals. Negative procrastination is when you procrastinate on what is called your most important tasks. Now, there's an interesting point, is that their, their tasks are either urgent, which means they have to be done now, or they are important, which means they don't have to be done now, but they have a very high impact on your future. We have a natural tendency to always do what is urgent rather than what is important. Important tasks are seldom urgent, and urgent tasks are seldom important. So you overcome procrastination with a very, very simple method. It was developed by W. Clement Stone when he was a young man. He built a fortune of $500 million, and this is one of the central principles of his life. It's simply this. Every morning when you get up, say over and over to yourself, do it now, do it now, do it now. I do it now, do it now. Whenever you have this tendency to procrastinate, program your subconscious mind with this automatic conditioned command, do it now, do it now, do it now. Do you know that less than 2% of the population have a sense of urgency? And that there's not an example of a successful person anywhere who does not have a sense of urgency? That if you just develop a sense of urgency when somebody gives you a task, 
that you get on it and do it fast, that alone will move you into the top ranks in a very short period of time. Number nine, delegate. Delegate everything that you possibly can. Now, what does delegation mean? What it means is this, is that whatever your hourly rate is, let us say your goal is to earn $50,000 a year. If you work eight hours a day, that's $25 an hour. You got that? So you're a $25 an hour person. Now, the only way you can make $25 an hour is if you do $25 or more work. And the only way you can do $25 an hour or more work is if you take anything that can be done by anybody who earns less than you per hour, 20, 15, 10, 5, and so on, and delegate, outsource, have somebody else do it. The most valuable resource in the world today is productive time. And do not waste your productive time dropping off laundry, getting your car washed, mowing your lawn, cleaning your house. Do not waste your productive time doing things that you can hire people to do for five or ten dollars an hour. Use your productive time on, on tasks that are more expensive of higher value. Delegate everything that you possibly can. In fact, its general conclusion is this, is that if you cannot delegate, if you cannot get other people to do things of lower priority for you, you cannot grow, you cannot develop, you cannot be successful. You may be successful running a shoeshine stand, but that's about the limit of it. Okay, the next principle, number 10, is meetings. Meetings are an absolutely essential part of human life. We spend 75% of our time outside of our home and inside our home communicating with other people. I read a statistic recently that says that the average person spends three to five years of their life in meetings. The average business person spends 25% of their day in meetings and is wasting more than half of that time. So here are some of the keys to, to using meetings as an effective business tool. Number one is have a purpose for a meeting. Make sure that it's crystal clear at the beginning what the purpose of the meeting is. If, the, if you are the person organizing the meeting, when you start the meeting, you say the purpose of this meeting is. And if you are not, when you sit down, you ask the person who is chairing the meeting, what is the purpose of this meeting? You look upon a meeting as an investment. Take the time, the dollar value of the time of each of the people at the table and look upon it as an investment of that many dollars in time. Best way to save time in meetings is what? Is don't go at all. If you can possibly avoid a meeting, don't go to it. If there's no need for you to be there, get the report on what happened later. Second thing we do when you do go to meetings is make sure that there's an agenda. An agenda is like a list. It's a track to run on. If the chairperson doesn't have a list, offer to put together a list or an agenda for them. Even if you just write it out and photocopy it, it's better than no list at all. Deal with the most important items first. When you have finished your contribution, ask if you can be excused. And start and stop the meeting on time. Now, what's the biggest time waster in meetings? In my estimation, it's two things. The meeting goes off track and the conversation becomes irrelevant. Or second of all, people wait until the latecomer shows up. So here's the basic rule with meetings, is always assume that the latecomer is not coming at all and start the meetings punctually. Start and stop the meetings at the specified time. Say the meeting will start at eight, end at nine. And at nine o'clock, wrap up the meeting. Number 11 is interruptions. The biggest single time wasters in the world of work within the office are interruptions. And the two major types of interruptions are telephone and walk-in visitors. People that just drop in to socialize and to talk to you. So how do you deal with these interruptions? Let's talk about the telephone first. The way that you deal with telephone interruptions is to remember this. When you were a child, the telephone was where you got phone calls from your boyfriend or your girlfriend. 
Today, we still are conditioned to have an irresistible urge to answer the phone. As a matter of fact, it's been demonstrated that you can get through to people on the phone that you could give or never get to physically because people cannot resist answering a ringing phone. You have to discipline yourself to remember that if it's important enough, they'll phone back. So here's some of the things you do with telephone calls. First of all, have your calls held. Tell somebody you're going to be in a meeting, you're going to be working, and have all your calls held for two or three hours, and then phone back all at once. Second of all, with regard to interruptions, if you don't have somebody to hold your calls, do what I do when I work at home. I unplug the telephone. Now people say, well, what if it's important? If it's important, they'll call you back. Another thing that you can do if you can't stand unplugging the telephone is put on an answering machine and have the calls captured with an answering machine and then call them back at your own leisure. But don't be a slave to the telephone. The next principle with regard to interruptions is people. People, most people are time wasters. That's the basic rule. Most people are time wasters. They waste your time, they waste their own time, they waste other people's time, and you have to be alert to it. So when a person comes in and they want to talk, they drop in without notice. The very fastest way to get rid of a person is to stand up when they walk in. If you stand up and stay standing up, they won't sit down. And you can lead them out by saying, there's one more thing before you go. And then just say it and lead them to the door. If necessary, and I've had to do this on occasion, a talkative person comes into my office, I get up and I start toward the door and I say, I was just leaving and I leave. And the person follows me out and goes on somewhere to bother somebody else and then I go back into my office. Now another, key management principle and in, in management in time management in personal management this is essential it's what is called key result areas in other words it is the key results that you have been hired to accomplish for your business even if you own your own business you are still subject to key result areas and the way that you find out your key result areas is you ask yourself this question over and over again why am I on the payroll why are you on the payroll. What have you been hired to accomplish? So you have to ask, what are the core functions of your job? What are the goals of your job? Now many people say to me, well, I'm not sure. Do you know what the major reason for stress in American, the American workplace is today? Is people don't know what's expected. I would say 80 or 90 percent of people out there do not know what's expected. They're not sure why they're on the payroll. And here's a very simple technique for it. Go to your boss with a list of everything that you do and ask your boss to organize it in order of priority. Say what's number one, what's number two, what's number three, what's A, B, or C. Help him or her organize your list in order of priority and give it back to you. I promise you, you'll be surprised. But why is it that you absolutely have to know why you're on the payroll? It's simply this, is that you cannot perform excellently, you cannot do superior work, you cannot be promoted, you cannot get a raise unless you are doing and doing well the key things that your boss has hired you to do, okay? The next number 13 is batching tasks. It's interesting that there is what is called in the world of work a learning curve. A learning curve says this. It says when you do a job the first time, it takes you the most amount of time to do it because you're learning how. The second time it takes less. The third time it takes less. The fourth time it takes less. In fact, the learning curve theory says that you can decrease the amount of time by as much as 80% if you do the same job over and over again over a period of time. So batching your tasks is a major time management tool. What does it mean? It means that if you're going to make phone calls, make all your phone calls at once. Have your calls held, make them all at once. If you're going to do invoices, do all the invoices at once. If you're going to do correspondence, do all the correspondence at once. If you're going to read and catch up, read everything at once. It's been found that if you do this on a regular basis, you'll get so much more done by doing it and concentrating on batches of tasks than if you did not. 
So batch your task whenever you possibly can. Imagine what most people do is they do a little bit of telephone call, a little bit of correspondence, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they have no learning curve at all. Each one takes the maximum amount of time. So batch your tasks. Put groups of tasks together at once and do them at once. Okay, the next principle is neatness. Every single study that has been done says this, that if you will just clean up your work environment so it is completely neat and everything is off of your desk or your workplace except the one thing you're working on that will increase your productivity by 20 to 40 percent. People have a difficult time understanding this, but I have tested it. I've worked with a messy desk. I've worked with a clean desk. And I tell you, I promise you, you will be astonished at the difference it makes. Now, how do you clean it up? Well, it's very simple. There's a very simple way of cleaning off a desk. It's called the TRAF system. The TRAF system has four letters. T stands for toss. Remember that in time management, your wastebasket is your best friend. So toss it out, throw it away. R stands for refer, which means it's not relevant to you, so you refer it to somebody else. A stands for action. And what you do is you take a file folder and you put it into an action folder, so it's out of the way. And F stands for file. File it away, do something with it. But before you file, always ask this question, what would happen if I didn't have this document? What would happen if I never could find this again? And if it's not particularly serious, throw that away too. Once you've done that, T-R-A-F, you've tossed it, referred it, filed it, or uh, put it in an action file. Once you've done that, then you start with your action file and you work through it. Neatness is important. Clean your desk, clean your workplace. Even in the kitchen, you'll find that if you take one thing out and use it and put it away, and take another thing out, you'll get far more done in a short period of time. Now, here's the rule. If you're not using it, put it away. If you're not using it, put it away. Even if you have to take the stuff off your desk and your credenza and put it on the floor, do it. Here's the final point. In a study that was done recently, 98% of senior executives said they would not promote a messy person, that they would not give a messy person greater responsibilities, that if you are messy, no matter how much you kid yourself, everybody around you concludes that you are inefficient, undependable, unreliable, and incompetent, and even if you do the job well, they think it's just an accident. Number 16 is to use what we call transition time. Remember this, is that you will always be paid in life for the value of your contribution. And if you want to earn more, you must learn more. And the most successful people are those who are continually taking in new information, continually learning more, continually taking every opportunity to keep current with their profession and to advance their knowledge. In fact, the knowledge in every single field today is doubling every five to seven years, which means that whatever you're doing, in order to stay even, your knowledge has to double every five to seven years. Now, it's simple to do this. The basic rule is this. You should or you must spend an hour every day investing in your own mind, investing in yourself. You must take an hour every day and read and study and take notes. If you're doing less than an hour a day, you're falling behind. If you do two hours a day, you put yourself on the side of the angels. Now, here's some of the ways that you can get this extra learning time, this extra working time, this extra personal growth time. First and most important of all is driving or traveling to and from work. If you drive, the average driver today drives 12 to 25,000 miles a year. You can become one of the best educated people in your profession simply by listening to audio cassettes going to and from work or to and from errands. Now, another very important part of transition time is coffee breaks. You know, the average person takes two coffee breaks a day, 20 minutes each, 40 minutes a day. 40 minutes a day times five days a week is 200 minutes. 200 minutes times 50 weeks a year is 
10,000 minutes. 10,000 minutes is 166 hours. 166 hours is over four full 40-hour weeks. Now, what does that mean to you? It means that if you just decide that you're going to read on a particular subject at your coffee breaks for the next year, you will be an expert on that subject before the year is out. Just when you sit down with coffee, make sure that you have something to read, whether it's time management or goal setting or personal communications or your profession. And most people sit there in their coffee breaks and they read the sports page and they don't realize that their life is passing them by. Well, remember, keep taking in more information. Use those, what are called, gifts of time. These are gifts of time that are given to us by God and we can do anything we want with them. But high-performing human beings use those gifts of time as though they were precious. And low-performing human beings do not. Which do you want to be? The next key is punctuality. My friend Joel Weldon says it very well. He says, if you're not early, you're late. That there is only one one-minute period in any appointment when you're exactly on time. And so if you aren't there early, you're there late. Less than 5% of people in America are punctual. Less than 5% of the population is punctual. And those people stand out. As a matter of fact, if you want to stand out from the average person, all you have to do is develop a reputation for punctuality. Pretty soon people say, boy, he or she sure is punctual. He or she sure is punctual. Now let me tell you something about punctual people. If you ask a person, what do you think about so-and-so who is very punctual? They will say, I think this person is more competent, more reliable, more dependable, more intelligent, more valuable, and more likely to be promoted and given greater responsibilities than the person who is late all the time. The person who is late all the time is considered unreliable, sloppy, undisciplined, a poor time manager, and not capable of greater responsibilities. Why is it that people are not punctual? Two reasons. One is they don't realize how important it is. It never occurs to them that when you are late for an appointment, you are insulting the person who has agreed to see you at that time. Develop the reputation for being punctual. And finally, one other thing is if you are a superior and you have subordinates or you have people working for you, reporting to you, don't keep them waiting. If you agree to see them at 3 o'clock, don't keep them out there spinning their wheels, standing around. It's one of the worst insults that you can do to people. And if I, can, if I could just uh, come back one more time, with regard to communications, you know one of the great time wasters in life, this is aside from the points that we're talking about, is lack of concentration, distraction, fatigue. It's not paying attention. If somebody comes in to see you, cut off all phone calls, close the door, clear your desk, and concentrate single-mindedly on a person. Ten minutes of concentrated conversation will clear up more than one hour of interrupted conversation. Pay attention, take notes. Now, number 19 is called work simplification. Always be looking for ways to do tasks faster, easier, cheaper, quicker, better. Always be looking for ways to do them faster. As a matter of fact, over and over again, individuals have put their careers on the fast track by finding ways to streamline existing processes. Now, here's a couple of other ideas which have been very useful to me in terms of getting more done in a short period of time. Here are the six, maybe seven key ideas. If you want to get more done in a given period of time, or if you want to get more done, period, you can do one, you can work longer. In other words, you can spend more hours working. But that's not a great idea because your productivity starts to drop off and you start to make mistakes, which you have to come back and correct and so on. Number two is you can work faster. You can get more done within a short period of time. Number three is you can do fewer things, but do more important things, do higher payoff tasks in the same period of time to increase your productivity. Number four is you can do things that you are better at. One of the qualities of leaders is that leaders, exceptional people, are always concentrating their time on doing what they do best. 
So ask yourself, what is it that I'm the best at? What is it that I do the easiest? You can sometimes dramatically increase your productivity simply by concentrating on where you're good. Another thing that you can do is make fewer mistakes. You know, there's an old saying that there's never enough time to do it right, but there's always enough time to do it over. If you make fewer mistakes, you will get far more done within a certain time, within that time period. And the last thing which many people miss is do things together. Teamwork. Putting a group of people together to work on a complex project can sometimes get the project done in two hours, whereas it would take another individual eight or nine or ten hours. So do things together. Work as teams with other people. Those are the keys. But work simplification means always finding faster, easier, newer, quicker, cheaper, more efficient ways to do what you're doing. Number 20 is the magic word. The magic word in time management is no. Learn to say no to activities, tasks, responsibilities, and obligations that do not contribute to the most important goals that you have set for yourself. It's incredible how much of your life is taken up by people who ask you to do things and you do it because of a sense of obligation. Let me tell you, as I said to you before, most people do not value their time, so they don't value yours. Now, how do you deal with a person who you know, who you like, who you respect, who asks you to do something? Very simple. When they ask you to do something or work on a committee or take on a project, ask, especially if you have, the, and it's not if you're boss, but if, especially if you have control, is say, let me think about it and get back to you. There's an old saying that delay is the cruelest form of denial. If they press you for a decision, say, I cannot make a decision now, I have to think about it. And after you've thought about it for 24 hours, call them back and say, I've thought about it, I simply don't have the time. But thank you very much for thinking about me and get on with the rest of your life. You know what Nancy Reagan says? Nancy Reagan says, just say no. And finally, number 21 is balance. In all of time management, you have to ask this question is, what is the purpose of managing your time well? What is the purpose of getting an extra two or three hours a day? And the purpose is to enhance and improve the quality of your life. And the most important things in a person's life are their health, their peace of mind, and your relationships. In fact, the quality of your relationships is the true measure of your quality of life. So take time to invest time in your relationships. Spend time with the people who are close to you, your spouse, your loved ones, your parents, your children. Take time because that's what, that's what life is. Life is managing your time so that you can do the things that are most important to you. Do you know what, how much time the average working parent spends talking to their child in America today? 30 seconds per day. Do you know how much time the average couple spends talking together? Intimate communication? Four minutes according to the recent research very very important if you want to be successful in life you've got to be sure what your priorities and values are and your highest value must be the people that you love and the people who love you they must be your health they must be your energy they must be your peace of mind they must be your emotional and spiritual development they must be the completion of you as a human being so when you are using all these time management techniques, remember that the purpose of using these time management techniques is to enhance the overall quality of your life. Ask again, what would you do if you only had six months to live? What would you do if you only had six months to live? Who would you spend your time with? Where would you go? What would you want to do? What would be important? What would be unimportant? If you ask that question over and over again, you'll have a tendency to keep your life in balance. Everything in moderation.